I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast. Rochester? Well, why Rochester? Chris Lindstrom was a hoot. He was just so much fun. He never stopped talking. I mean, it was great. Party down? Yes! Take it from me, an inveterate snob. <laughs> That's it! Stinks! It stinks! It stinks! And we don't need any characters around to give the joint atmosphere, is that clear? Because I'm a pro. That's what pros do. I'm a professional. Look it up in the book. What do you say? Enough. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And we are back with another episode of the Food About Town podcast. It's a steamy day here in Rochester. And across from me, I've got a guest. Guest, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, Alex Reinwald from uh, Fox's Deli in uh, Brighton. Yeah, so Fox's Deli, uh, we're going to give some initial plugs. So Fox's Deli's 3450 Winton Place, that's in the Winton Place Plaza, um, kind of towards Jefferson, really going in that area. It's very ambiguous. Yeah, it is a little bit, because it's like in that little in-between right near yeah. Townline Road, kind of. Yeah, uh, I have an employee, actually, um, who is a friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, and uh, I said, hey, man, we're, we're buying a restaurant. I know you're serving tables. You want to come join and, and see what's going on over here? And uh, he said, where are you going? I said, well, Fox's Deli. And he was working at the distillery in Henrietta. And he goes, where is that? I said, it's in your parking lot, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's how, you know, that, that, that was, our, I think, our first, like, uh, maybe a little bit of an oh shit moment. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know who knows about us because we grew up with it. It was ingrained in us, uh, my brother and I. So it's, you kind of look at someone and you're like, you, you don't know where that is? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Well, right, let's, great. yeah, let's talk, let's go into kind of the style of what it is and let's talk about the history a little bit because sure. that, that's a big part about what this place is. Yeah. So um, for current status, so you and your uh, you and your brother bought it uh, about, what, two years, a year ago or 18, so? 18 months ago. 18 yeah. months ago. I, I think that math is right. It's somewhere around there. Yeah, roughly. Uh, end of uh, February of tw- last year. Okay. Yeah. So you bought it then, and your experience with the place is you grew up eating there. Yeah. You grew up in this area. Yeah, I think actually it was in our bloodstream uh, as we were in the womb, to be quite honest with you. My mom... Had been going there for years. Uh, my uncle used to sell newspapers in 12 Corners and then would go there for Reuben. So we're talking about like 50 or 60s, 70s kind of area. Um, so yeah, man, it's been part of our life for quite a long time. Um, it was the first place I brought my wife when she came to visit my family. Um, yeah, it's it's very special, near and dear to our heart. Um you know, and the opportunity arose for us to carry on a legacy that we felt was really special to the city, um, to the Jewish community, um, to us specifically and individually. And uh, yeah, I, I think it was an easy decision for us once the, the opportunity was presented. Yeah. So like the history of the place, like doing doing a little bit of reading, um, courtesy of the Democrat and Chronicle, there thanks it is. to Tracy thanks, as Tracy. usual for doing a great job. Um, but it looks, it looks like the place has been around for now going on like 90 years from when it launched, which is that when you're talking about legacy, that really is a hell of a legacy, a place that's been operating, you know, somewhat continuously since, you know, 1943, since world war two. Yeah. Well, actually the, um, it dates back even further, not in our community. Yeah. Um, but in New York city, um, 
I believe second Avenue, uh, fact check me there, somebody, but, um, Sheldon Fox, who we bought the business from his father, Irving started the business in 1929, actually. Uh, so it's, uh, moved up here in the forties, hundred percent correct on Joseph Avenue. And yeah, man, it's, it's amazing. Uh, some of the stories we hear, uh, some people's first jobs, which is oh, really yeah. interesting. You know, they're my mom's age. Um, well, in that community that was on Joseph Ave for decades and decades. Cohen's, I believe, was another deli that was down there. Because that, uh, was, that was the, you know, the Jewish heart of Rochester 100%. was on Joseph Ave. And there's yeah. still uh, a legacy synagogue. I think they were trying to renovate into, is that right? into some sort of, I think it was a community center, a performing okay. center. They okay. were trying to do that. The Joseph Business Group or something like sure. that. Um, I was more tied into their news clippings a little while ago, sure. but they were trying to, you know, make that space something interesting and keep some of the heritage of it available. And that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of that stuff that's, you know, captured in the city of Rochester that it's easy to lose sight of sometimes. No doubt about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, when the community, the Jewish community kind of migrated to Brighton, it only made so much sense to bring those businesses with them. And, uh, Fox's was lucky enough to be one of them. Uh, two different locations on Monroe Avenue. Um, one burned down. I don't know if you're familiar with that story. Mm. There's actually pictures in our restaurant. Um, if anyone wants to stop by and, and check those out, we have pictures of the fire. The date I don't have off the top of my head, um, but they basically had to restart. And uh, Winton Place, I believe, was a newer st- uh, strip mall. Yeah, it looks like that, that was around 70s. the mid, mid-70s, yeah. yeah. Um, which there was a Wegmans there. Uh, there was a movie theater there. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. Like I said, the stories that we get um, are pretty amazing. We have an upstairs portion of our restaurant that kind of more storage these days. Um, but allegedly there was, you know, a, a, a gentleman's group that used to meet there. Who knows what, what you know, oh, I'm what the sure hell there, was going on there. I'm sure and, there was everything was above yeah, board. Yeah, a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. But well, yeah, I mean, dude, it's just, it's, it's, uh, we bought history. We bought a brand yeah. that we felt needed just a, a revamp, just kind of a little kick in the pants. And, and, um, Shelly, you know, made a name for himself there and, and carried it on as, as long as he could, he did a great job. And, and I think we're just carrying that torch and, and trying to speed up that process just a little bit. Yeah. Well, let, let, let's talk about, let's talk about what kind of food sure. Fox's is because it's an interesting, we, we have a certain subsection of, you know, uh, you know, Jewish restaurants here yep. in Rochester or specialty shops. Yep. Um, but it's not extensive. So we have, we have some, obviously we have a, you know, a vibrant, you know, community, but not a ton of establishments that really focus on it. So I wanted to go into and like try to define what is, Foxes in the context of places that have, you know, a larger version. To me, it reads as a luncheonette yeah. kind of place. And that I, kind of is what it reads to me as. Yeah, and I think you could you could definitely categorize it that way. Um, we, you know, this was kind of the hard, one of the t- tougher parts of our, our beginnings there. Um, you know, they started kosher. Yeah. Um, which is actually in their um, DBA. Uh, Foxes kosher delicatessen was what the the business was ran as sure. Um, so when the transition happened with Shelly from kosher to non or kind of in the, in the middle there, um, there was some, you know, feedback that I think he got, um, you know, people still say, you know, when I first came here, I, I couldn't even get, you know, they would serve me a cheeseburger, but the cheese would be on a different plate. 
and you can build it any way you want kind of thing to skirt around the the rules if you will oh sure um and now i i i think when we started kosher style was kind of the the tagline that like, we were kind of trying to see how that fit kosher style yeah deli. kosher style deli was kind of what we were going after but i i don't think that's i think we we came to terms of it being a little disingenuous yeah um and not that we were trying to fool anybody or or you know have a tagline that would pop out on google maps or anything like that but um we there is a heritage there that i think we wanted to to take care of and and be aware of um I, we serve jewish fare yeah and i you know traditional jewish fare like a stuffed cabbage or lockies and a kanish um those things are are special to us those are things that we make by hand um so there is legacy there there is uh jewish fare there um but we're you know kosher style is just like i said just a, a edging on disingenuous and yeah. so we're we like to offer those things but at the same time we're we're serving cheeseburgers you know sure um and you know we're we're like you said lunch night it's 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 kind of um it's sandwich based but also with this jewish flair attached to it yeah because it's it's a little bit challenging because like it's still honoring the tradition of that style of totally. food yep. in many ways but you're right like it's it's a cultural, mm -hmm. it's a cultural use of the term versus a, you know, classic, you know, verified kosher kind totally. of establishment. It, it's the cultural relevance of that kind of place that I'm sure the community loves that still exists. Right. And I, you know, we try and t tie in, you know, a really non-traditional Jewish breakfast now. Um, but instead of hash browns, you get lockies. So like I said, we're, we're, you know, the vision is to tie in as much Jewish fare as we can without it being exclusively a, a, a Jewish deli necessary or kosher style. Um, it's a deli, you know, yeah. and, and it's not New York styled. It's, it's us. And I think we're pretty um, unique in that way where I don't think we're trying to be anybody. Um, we're just trying to meld in some of the background that we have uh, with some of the food that we love. Um, that also represents a portion of a heritage that, you know, represents our family. Um, you know, and I think that's just been important to us is to carry some of that legacy on and, and not be disingenuous about it. Yeah, I think I think it's a great balance to strike because, yeah. right, the, the heritage is important to you. Yeah. Like the fact that it, ha it does have that cultural relevance both to the community, to your family, to everything else. Like you, you don't want to lose that and like just treat it as like, oh, we're we're taking it in a wholly new direction. Like you're still honoring that style. Yeah. But – I think, you know, nods to modernity are worthwhile and you need to stay vibrant in a different, in a, you know, ever changing restaurant culture, um, in Rochester, which is changing quickly, definitely, you know, year over year. Um, and I know part of that, like, you know, when you, when you take over a place after all that time, like first thing I remember seeing was when I saw the new logo, I'm like, Oh yeah, they really captured something yeah. with that. I, I want to talk about that for a second because that, sure. that's a tough... That's exciting for me. I'm like going to prop a, up here a little bit. It's a tough was, process. Yeah. Like thinking about how to identify a brand. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going to talk about brands and talk about some business terms, but that's not... Sure. I'm not doing it from like, oh, now it's brand maintenance and right. all that stuff. Right. But it's the real challenge. Like uh, we've gone through that with, um, you know, our business Nominate. Um, when we were Curate before, we had to change our name due to a... Uh, 
uh, cease and desist. Gotcha. And yeah. we had to change our name. We had to rethink about what we were doing, how we wanted to portray ourselves, and we wanted to have more fun. Yeah. So we went to nominate. Now the nom is in red, so we can use that as part of our branding. Awesome. But it meant something to us to change it. Yeah. And I have to imagine going through that process of rebranding a business and carrying classic style but keeping it fresh had to be a lot of fun and a lot of anguish. Yeah, it was uh, one of the first things that we identified to kind of bring it to now, you know, um, but also diverging a little bit from the Fox's family, yeah, making it more brand oriented, if you will. Um, you know, we've got a little... Uh, within our logo, we have a, a little fox. We actually named him, uh, which we thought was kind of fun. We got a lot of uh, replies about that on, on Instagram. It was a really a fun time for us to kind of see everyone's suggestions. We ended up naming him Pickles. Perfect. I love um, that. Which we thought was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, we worked with a design group actually in Buffalo. Um, one guy that we know from, from high school, his name's Nick Haas, uh, does amazing work. And we I'm sure he gets this all the time and I'm sure designers out there will, will recognize what I'm saying, but you kind of brain dump and, you know, kind of use a lot of ambiguous verbiage and he just creates something fucking awesome. And, oh, yeah. you know, we, he's got the, the soda jerk stuff on and he's kind of got that look on his face. Like it's welcoming and warm. Um, we went with a completely different like color scheme that we thought was really cool, but also kind of like leads into our booths are pink. And like our main logo is like this big, vibrant pink, you know, newish looking, um, you know, detailed logo. Well, and even like, I, I want to talk about the color for a second. Yeah. So like it was, it really struck me when I looked at all of it is how the color still evokes history. Yeah. Like the color doesn't feel like, you know what a modern restaurant color scheme looks like? Totally. Like, it, you know, if, you, if you're a restaurant person, you go into a place, you don't have to taste the food. Right. You can look at the color scheme and the design and like, I, I know what I'm going to get before right. I eat it. Right. Uh, some of my, um, my good friend, Chris Clemens, absolutely hates when I do this. Yeah. <laughs> when I'll like, I'll prejudge a place purely based on the pictures. Sure. And I will, and you know, I believe I'm usually right because yeah. I can, you can tell generally speaking where things are going. But when I see this, I'm like, Oh, that's somebody that really paid attention yeah. to. We want this to feel classic. Cause it's still one page menu. Keep right. it tight. Right. This isn't a class. This isn't a five, six, seven, eight page diner menu. Right. This is focused. This is tight. Right. It's classic. It's modern. <clears throat> and I just loved when I read, when I was looking at the pictures of the menu, how, how complete of a vision it was. Yeah. And so, um, menu, uh, the menu stuff, if you want to call it that, whatever you want yeah. to call that. Um, my brother was very laser focused on that. <clears throat> we walked into a place that had like 50 name sandwiches. Yeah. And as much as you want that to be the case and kind of serve everybody, um, we found a good, uh, middle ground. Um, we took a, you know, good two, three months worth of data that we got from our point of sales and just saw what was selling. I mean, it was as easy as that. It's something that we both really enjoy and dig into. But we wanted just that one pager yeah. where we take those signatures, um, those ones that they're known for, the sandwiches that were people, you know, know by name. Um, and then also in, in, include, you know, be your own chef. And I think that's really fun too. be, be your own sandwich maker. 
um, and you can pick whatever the hell you want and it's yours and you know, you can name it if you want and if you come often enough. Um, but yeah, man, those signatures are really important to us. That's our, that's our snapshot of the, of the past and the future is kind of incorporating the build your own with those signatures. And, um, you know, we wanted to keep all of that intact, uh, just not as extensive and a little bit, like you're saying, a little bit more focused and kind of on point. Well, I think, you know, when you, when you take a step back and reevaluate, you know, what is efficiency? How do we, right. how do we run a place lean? How do we run a place that meets the needs of, you know, our creative goals as well as maintaining, you know, the style of what the place is. Yeah. Um, a lot of that is focus, yeah. right? Like you're talking about, if you're making, you know, you're making knishes, right? That's right. a lot of work. Yeah. Right. And it's figuring out how do we do it with the least amount of waste? Yeah. How do we do it where we're giving them the best product possible right. without, you know, having 50% too many on a day. And that's like, man, I love numbers. I love spreadsheets. Yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah, I can nerd out pretty good on that stuff too. I, I, uh, I'm a big sports fan. Um, that's kind of my one, like kind of, I wouldn't even call it a vice, but it, sometimes it can be a vice. I get you, man. Yeah. Um, my wife will continually laugh at me. I'll just be like, Oh, that, that guy was from, you know, Northwestern <laughs> and he graduated four years ago uh -huh. and he ran a four five forty, and you know, she'd be like, what, what do you, where the hell do you even keep that? Um, but that's the same thing we, we kind of utilize building the restaurant to where we wanted it was just looking and, and, and touching and, and making sure that we understood the numbers and, and, you know, and move forward with that kind of information rather than this gut feeling of like, Oh, you know, Sally always orders a sandwich. We should keep it for her. We can, she can make it or just let us know what she wants on it. And we can definitely do that. And, and like you said, just kind of back to that focus and that, that, that clear vision of what we want it to look like. Yeah. And that, so we're, we're talking about like, you know, focusing the menu and the other thing I want to talk about is process, right? Yeah. So we're, so we've got, you know, you're focusing the menu, you're keeping it, you're doing all that, but the behind the scenes stuff I mean, that's, that's where places can stay open. That's where you can become yeah. your own fixture in a community is by process. Yeah. Um, what, what was, what's been the most challenging, you know, thing that now you've gotten, you've been there for 18 months. Yeah. What's the thing that's been really challenging to generate your own process on to make it your own? And nobody knows the bit of difference except for you guys. Right. So I think... You know, when we first stepped in the doors, um, there were some things that we disagreed with, with the way that things were going and sure. the way things were being done, namely the soup. Yeah. Uh, I won't go into too much greedy detail, but uh, our first introduction of the way the soup was made was not to our standard. So, you know, we changed that quickly. Yeah. And with that comes backlash. Of course. Um, which we knew, you know, you always have an idea of what that looks like, right? You've been in the industry long enough. You kind of have an idea of what changing things looks like and yeah. what that feels like. Um, it took a bit of convincing. I'm more than sure that we probably lost some, some folks, um, naturally. Of course. Um, but we felt like, again, you know, these were the right things to do at the, at the time and rip the bandaid off, man. And That's just also do it. And cause we're not, this is an 18 months project for us. I mean, this is hopefully part of what we're doing, um, maybe not as intense. Maybe we put someone in charge one of these days, sure. right? But, um, but it's part well, of this your, isn't going it's anywhere. Your, it's yeah. part of your legacy. Yeah, now we're in not. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Like our yeah. plan is to carry this thing another ninety years. You know, whether that be us directly or whoever. But um, 
sometimes you just got to do that thing quick and, and that process got to be put into place quickly. And yeah, I think that's a, been a big piece of it is just is putting our stamp on it, putting our thumb on it and, and making sure that, you know, I mean, as, as we bought the business, uh, the old owners basically just said, make it yours, you know, and well, that, that was it. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about the soup because sure. you're right. It is like, if you're talking about a, you know, a culturally Jewish deli, mm-hmm. um, there's very few things that exemplify that style of eating right. more than the soups. Right. And that is, you know, if we're talking about those kind of places, it defines the places. People define places based on, oh, am I getting this soup there? Am I getting this soup at another place? Am right. I doing this? Right. Um, you know, let's, let's talk about the details, right? Sure. So let's, let's go right into it. I know you're, you're more front of house than back. Yeah. I, I've seen soup once or twice. I was going to uh, say. those 18 months. But, um, so like, yeah, man, we're it, talking the classic, right? Yeah. So chicken, chicken broth. Chicken broth is the base of so many of these things. All natural ingredients, um, using chicken backs, chicken X. Um, what a difference it makes to the texture of the soup is. when it's you're cool. using, when you're using bones and you're getting the, yeah. getting the real chicken fat in there. And I was actually, uh, a, um, a, uh, what's it called? A guilty pleasure of mine right now for whatever reason to pass the time and, you know, background noise is, is, <laughs> This is embarrassing. Uh, is diners, drive-ins, and, and dives. Oh, I mean, it's um, it's, it's he, a great show. For and randomly, stuff. he was at a Jewish deli. Yeah, and uh, I forget where it was. Actually, it might have been Milwaukee. Yeah, just talking about that. Anyways, I don't remember exactly where it was, but the guy was using chicken schmaltz. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, it's chicken fat that you skim off the top from the soup. It's like the Jewish olive oil. You well, know, like that's what we so we utilize that fresh product we bring in that soup. Yeah. Um, and we're using it for matzo balls. We're using it for a lot of other things that are, you know, that that's your cooking fat. Well, um, yeah, let's, so let's talk about why for sure. a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll talk about the technical part for a moment. Sure. So when you're, let's say you're long cooking a soup, right? Uh, the fat's going to render out of the meat that's in there. So, you know, in there will be the skin will be, yep. you know, subcutaneous fat. It'll be the other stuff in there. You'll be using dark meat and all the different stuff you get the rich flavors you might roast some you might render some you might do, you know whatever technique you're using specifically but when you're cooking a soup a long time the fat will separate out yep. it won't integrate um like for example if you ever have a like tonkatsu ramen mm-hmm. where you see you know that white milky broth right it's because they emulsify it they blend that right and they bring the fat and emulsify it into the broth otherwise it will separate and as it cools down, you will get a clear layer, not clear, but a layer of yep. of rendered chicken fat on top. But it's not pure fat. Right. It's fundamentally that, but it has also gained flavors from the soup. So your mirepoix, your onions, your garlic, your carrots, your celery, yep. and whatever else is in there, you know, the herbs have now infused themselves into that fat. And now that is essentially a pre-seasoned fat base that now can be used as a start to any number of different things. I couldn't have said any better. And, uh, we, um, you know, when you think about it like that, I don't think there's any other way to do it, you know? And I, and I think that's kind of like, was our idea. Like that's flavor. Yeah. We're going to piss some people off, but we know the right way to do this. And, and again, my brother was doing that, you know, with, with his cooks and that's the right way to do it. And we're using what we can from it and, and utilizing the whole thing. And, you know, um, yeah, it's been, it's, we love the product. Yeah. Um, it's just about showcasing it and putting it in front of the right people and, and making sure that 
they know where we're coming from when they see a different product. Because that's the main thing is it is these soups are by definition simple. Yeah. They're not complicated. Right. So kind of set it and forget it almost to yeah. a certain extent. That's kind of our thought process is just buy the right product. Yeah. Um, teach the right process and, and the rest will kind of make itself, you know, and it's just use the whole thing as much as you can. There's something to be said for that because it's not, when I say it's not complicated, it doesn't mean that it's not the process isn't important. Right. It doesn't mean that the care isn't there. Mm-hmm. You can taste when somebody does the work. Right. Once when they put the work in, when they're buying, you can taste when you're buying garbage commercial chicken. Yeah. Right. Like, like I don't choose to eat meat, but like if you're going to eat meat, buy decent chicken. Right. It tastes better. Right. You know, buy chickens that were raised decently. They taste better. You know, naturally. Yeah. Use the technique. Right. It makes things taste better. Yeah. No doubt. Like, no doubt in about the end, it. That's all it is. Yeah. And I think we, we've both been lucky enough to work in places that have cared about those things yeah. and have taken those processes seriously. Um, so, and I mean, even going back to like with our mom, I mean, there, there was no real shortcuts. I think the only shortcut she ever used, which I hope she's not embarrassed by this, but, um, <laughs> you know, she'd use, and I think most, I mean, you have let, to. let's say most Jewish grandmothers use box matzo ball mix. Like, let's just get over that. Like everyone can get over that. Like, I mean, every culture has their yeah. own pre-made things. I mean, you go yeah. to any Indian just buy grocery store. And, and move on with your life. <laughs> yeah. Just mix it up and, and be good with it. But I mean, all of her stuff, I mean, she used to make chicken soup, you know, and, and, um, all of that stuff. It's just really important to us. And, and that's yeah. what we, you know, that's what we lived on. That's what we're used to. And I think not to say that what we're used to is right necessarily, but, um, I think technically speaking, the way we make our soup is correct, you know, and I, well, we have to live by that. And I think that's, that's really important to us is to showcase that traditional traditional is in the eye of the person's whose experience the traditions from. Well, yeah, it's always that funny line, you know, well, this isn't how my, my grandmother made it. I'm like, no shit. You know, like, yeah, I know. I don't know I, your yeah, tradition. I don't know your tradition. We're we're trying to mirror what we think is in the middle ground of like what we what we're used to, but also just traditionally speaking, like this is what is expected. And your experience, right? Like, yeah. you know, your brother in the kitchen, like he's had some experience yeah. in you know higher end restaurants, right? Well, why are we not utilizing those things to make things you know to reduce waste, right? Right. If we're going to be if we're going to be serving, you know, animal products, right. Reduce the waste as much as possible. Yep. Use as much. Save your costs. Yep. Bring flavor to people. Right. But that's that's respectful of the classic tradition, utilizing some modern things and making things better for everybody. Absolutely. That, but wh- why not make things better? Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what I'm trying to say is like when we walked in and saw that it wasn't yeah. necessarily the way we wanted it that is just an easy answer, you know, regardless of, of not regardless, but knowing that there's a percentage of people who won't understand that or won't appreciate that, but knowing deep down, that was what we wanted to serve and make sure that, you know, we can tell a good story behind it. You know, there's, there's reason, there's a why, you know, who says that? What's your why? You know, um, our why is because we thought it was just the right move. It's the right thing to do. Well, and then like, I know, so we're going to finish off briefly. So, um, with uh with the first half of our conversation um love you know i'm a yeah i've been a supporter of jobean coffee for a long time oh man don't even get me started i love that you have good coffee on the menu it's amazing how many people noticed yeah i'll be honest with you we did it sort of selfishly because we get a nice cup of coffee in the morning you know Mm -hmm. i mean honestly that's part of it right but they just do it right 
first of all. Yeah. Second of all, you can taste the difference. Like, I actually had a lot of people, you know, they used to serve swill here, you know? Like, that's what people always want to call it. And it's noticeable. Yeah. And I think that's really, like, even down to the coffee, you know? I think that's kind of what we're trying to get at. Um, yes, we're still, you know, we're bringing in deli meats, you know? But they're good quality deli meats. Are we making them all by hand yet? No. You know, maybe down the line, that's what we're looking to do. Um, but we, we've tasted them. We care about them. We think that they're, you know, we wouldn't serve you bad food is I guess my point. Yeah. Um, and like I said, down to the coffee, I used to have servers when I used to work at, you know, higher end restaurants at my bar, I would always go up to the bartenders and like, what's this brown spot doing on the lime? This is just an example. And they'd always be like, why do you, why are you bothering me about the limes? Like there's all these other things we could be talking about. I'm like, yeah, I, I know those things too, but that that just shows me that you're not if you don't care about the lime being brown you're probably not caring about the portions of the you know the pores you're making or the well, quality of the ice you're pouring with or you know the cleanliness of your shakers or like those things are just that's all the way up the line so if you don't care about your coffee in a deli or in a in a space that we feel like we're going to do some breakfast volume in yeah how could I feel like you're going to care about anything else on that menu? You're respecting your customers yeah. by giving them the product you can stand behind. Yeah. Well, and I, I love the point about the bar too. Like, um, you know, uh, my, my buddy, Donnie Clutterbuck, yeah. you know, his, uh, you know, he made an app a long time ago. It was a poor cost app. Yeah. And, you know, actually got around the industry pretty good because you know what matters? Like yeah. paying attention to the fact of how much you're putting into a drink and making sure it's profitable. Yeah. I was, it wasn't like official consulting, but somebody had asked me to take a look at something and I'm like, show me the recipes you're using for these drinks. How much are you charging for them? What are your costs? Right. And I'm like, I'm not an expert, but if you look at the numbers, you are losing money on right. this drink and it's not good. Right. <laughs> so let's take a step back and know, what are you trying to do with right. this? Let's make sure you can make money on it and you'll get a better product and make more money on it. That's a win for everybody. Didn't he do a um, taste analysis of, of fresh pressed juices or something like that too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I remember something Donnie's about that, that before yeah. I. I think before I, he and I have ever met at Cure, because um, I'm still newish back here in Rochester. I, I remember seeing an article about him doing something with juices. I yeah, he, that was he had done not. some really, like really high and yeah. nerdy blogs. I think there was one he did on. Um, on the accuracy of jigger pours oh. and different styles. And I'm okay. like, oh my God, I love the depth of right. artery that he right. gets into. Um, and I can talk with him forever. Sure. Um, but what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick cool. break. We're going to be back with the second half of our conversation talking about Fox's Deli over on Wenton Road. And we'll be right back. If you want to learn all about the diverse foods of Rochester and Buffalo and don't want to do the work, Nominate is made for you. Nominate runs events where you order a meal that feeds two people, packaged to go for $40, but the twist is you have no idea what you're getting until you pick it up. Each meal comes from one typically small minority-owned restaurant. We work with them to select dishes that best represent their cuisine and make sure you have a fun experience. We host events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer in Rochester in the neighborhood of play, the new home of Black Button Distilling on University Avenue, and in Buffalo at the fantastic Nowhere Lounge located in the heart of Kenmore. Drink pairings are available for sale at each event that work well with the food. Follow us on social media at Nominate Meals and go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event. Join the nomination.
Hey, this is Wade Reed with the Level Up Podcast. How do you take your coffee? What's your favorite espresso drink? Do you prefer washed process or natural process coffees? If any of these questions interest you, tune into the Level Up Podcast presented by Nominate Meals on the Lunchador Podcast Network. We're looking at every link in this coffee supply chain from growing and processing to cafe life and home coffee brewing to find the topics that will enrich and maybe even stretch your experience of coffee. So have a listen, check us out on Instagram and Substack, and as always, enjoy your coffee. And we're back with the second half of our conversation about Fox's Deli. Alex Reinwald here. Jason, in the back, is not present. (laughs) (laughs) He's here in spirit. He's here in spirit. Yes. Um, And so we we were finishing out in the first half talking through, you know, talking through the kind of food, talking through techniques, and talking through some of that stuff. Um, And I wanted to start the second half talking about Something that's very specific to this kind of place, sure. which is Dr. Brown's soda. Oh my God, yeah, yep. Can, right. you, can you tell me about Dr. Brown's and the first time you remember drinking that and what it means to you? Yeah, so actually um, my grandmother and her second husband were practicing kosher and when we were growing up. Um, I don't have a lot of clear memories about that. I, 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 that probably was pre-five years old. Um, but I remember... Um, the one liter uh, uh, black cherry Dr. Brown's bottles. And yeah, just the color being, on that is so specific. Yeah, man. And they're just so classically old school and like they fit in. Like I think they got it before, or or maybe just Deli is just mimicked or um, mirrored that color scheme or something like that because yeah. they get it. Like it, it's, it's, um, it's a really special product that, um, you know, every once in a while, I have to tame myself, but I'll have one, you know, every once in a while, I'll try one again. It oh, just yeah. brings back a flurry of memories. And um, definitely first time trying it was Grandma Sybil's house, um, probably before I was supposed to have it. Um, my mom was not a huge soda fan growing up. Um, but that was one that was one soda that we always were able to have, especially at like high holidays and things like that. It was a special time and a special occasion to get those. But I, I remember seeing those cans and bottles um, littered around my grandmother's house as, as just being, you know, kind of like, you know, part of the culture. Well, and there, and there are a lot of, you know, a lot of the flavors are classic, you know, soda fountain style yeah. flavors. I mean, these are root beers, like draft style, I think oh, they yeah. call it or something like it's very smooth and yeah. Well, and it really ties back to the way those things used to be and focusing on, you know, this is, you know, a staple in, no in Jewish delis no and doubt. corner stores and things like that. And like the fundamental one that everybody talks about is celery flavored soda because it's so iconic. The fact that it exists defines the brand, even though like, you know, it's not the most popular thing, but it defines the brand because it shows this tie to the past that just you can't have without that history. It's kind of a, this is a secret I have, but I'll tell you now. Every time someone orders one, I will stop by their table most, like probably nine times out of 10. Oh, yeah. I just feel like there's a connection that they kind of get it. You know what I mean? I don't know if that sounds a little pretentious or like no. a little like kind of like I'm not snooty. I'm not trying to be that. But I, if you order a celery and a pastrami sandwich, I'm probably going to talk to you. You what? probably you probably get what we're trying to do. Your feedback for me is really important. Um, well, and having, again, not to discount anyone else's feedback or what yeah. they have coming, you know, in the forefront. But again, if you order a celery and a pastrami sandwich, I'm, I'm probably, I want to know what you're thinking, you know? Well, and I think, you know, having evangelizers for your, 
for what you're doing is so important as yeah. a business. It's not like, you know, the people that come in occasionally, they're great and they're important yep. to the business. We're not discounting that by any means. And, you know, the people that come in for a special event, that's great. That's right. an that's an important part of the business. Right. But the people that don't stop talking about you, mm-hmm. the evangelizers, yeah. you're right. There's always, there's indicators for people to get it. And there's nothing quite like getting feedback from when you hear the feedback, you're like, oh, you're paying attention. Right, yeah. Like, you know what's going on here. Yeah, you kind of get it. Um, and I think I've used that term a couple of times now, but yeah. it, 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 there is something to that. Um, that little signal to me is like the little bad signal of just like, okay, you've been to a couple delis before. You're maybe not Jewish, doesn't matter. But you you recognize how well those things fit together. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool part of, you know, the cuisine is that this soda just completely um, cleanses your palate after these big salty bites of pastrami with cheese and mustard, you know, like that's right. You got that, punchy like, flavors. Yeah, you kind of get it. Yeah. And I, you can make a cocktail out of it too, which is just really badass. Um, I've had some celery bitters in, yeah. uh, in drinks before. Yep. Yeah. You can, yep. you can do some fun stuff. I think I had one. I might've had one in, in Buffalo at Waxlight Bar event by, uh, by Tony Riels, who's the, yep. the head bar person there. And I think it was a rum drink with celery bitters in it, if I remember correctly. Awesome. And it was, I have no idea if he had pretty come up with it or just right. get it off the dome yeah. because I was like, yeah. give me something weird. Right. He's like, all right. Okay, well, sure. Yeah. Here, here you Game go. on, yeah. And then um, someone asked me for something weird at Fox's. Yeah. Celery soda. Like, if you're going to ask me, you know, get yeah, try celery, you know, give it a shot. And, yeah, well, uh, and I think giving giving flavors a shot and trying to understand where things come from, like that, that's super fun. Well, we've you know, my wife and I will definitely dine out uh, as much as we can, not as much anymore as we used to. But um, I would always like to see, I would, I, you know, tell me what I should have. You know, that's kind of the, the always the name question. of the game. Yeah, like hopefully we well we we go to places that care about that. Yeah, and so asking that is not an outlandish question. Um, but what you pair together means something obviously. And I, and I want to experience those things together, even if they're crazy sounding or, you know, uh, maybe off my, my radar, um, show me, you know, what goes together. And I, and I'm, I'm, you know, I put trust in that. Well, and I, I love, I love asking the question cause you, you can do it the wrong way. Yeah. Like you can say, you can do it. You can ask that question and then you're really just being a dick yeah. <laughs> or you can be genuinely inquisitive. Like yeah. I'm, I am honestly interested in what you think is special here. Yeah. And like, Hey, I really don't know what I want out of these three things. Just bring me one of them. Yeah. This is not a test. This isn't this. I honestly can't decide cause it sounds so good. Yeah. Bring me two of the three. Right. Right. And you Let's know, try the whole menu. The whole yeah. menu, yeah. Oh, and absolutely. Like, yeah. and if I if I go to a bar, I'm like, hey, what have you been working on? Right. I don't need. Yeah, you know, I'm happy to drink your menu things if that's what you want me right. to drink. But if you've been working on something, yeah, I want what's in your head. Right. I want I want what you think fun right now. Right. Right. And that's that. Yeah, that can open up. I, I think we've, um, you know, you can't do that necessarily at Foxes. No, that's but not you can, but the point. But but you know, again, we have answers to those questions. We yeah. we can. You know, if you want to be a blank canvas, we can paint a picture on you. I think we can we can definitely steer you in the right direction of some of that Jewish fare, some of that old school soda, and then, you know, some of those classic sandwiches that we just feel like are, you know, special. 
Well, and it, it's some of the stuff like, hey, you might have had your Reuben, or you might have had your pastrami sandwich, yeah, but you might not have tried Kriplock, yeah, or you might right, not have right. tried, you know, a well-made Kanish or right. a Bialy or right. those kind of things. Like, yeah, you you might have a swath of the things you know, but right. getting to that side gives you a whole other picture yeah. of what this is. No doubt about it's, it. Because it's Eastern European comfort food. Yep. When we're really taking a step back, there's roots in all of that Eastern European style of food. You're talking about stuffed cabbages, like you go to Buffalo, like that's Polish, that's Polish Catholic food every day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. But it's the same damn food, except for this is the Jewish version, right? Translated through other experiences. I've never had more pierogies in my life than when I lived in Buffalo. (laughs) Oh, they're just everywhere. There was, uh, actually, you might be familiar with it. Um, there was a restaurant called um, Bistro Europa. Oh, yeah, yeah. We used to go there in college all the time. Well, Definitely the, punching above my weight class at well, that point in my, my life. And, you know, shout out shout out to Steve Gedra. Oh, man. Who's just, a, just one of those guys where yeah. you meet him, you're like, oh, yeah, this, 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 is a, this is a guy who knows what he's doing. And between, you know, Bistro Europa and, you know, the... Um, you know, Black Sheep when it was running. Yep. What what an amazing yep. spot. And I, I remember going to some of the Midnight Mass dinners there. Sure. I think I went to two of the Midnight Masses, one from uh Paul Vroman, shout yeah, out to yeah, him, yeah. who was you know, who was, you know, my spirit chef for a sure. few years. Yeah. Between Brick and Motor and Aunt Rosie's and Next Door when he yeah. was there. Like he was my spirit chef for I think I missed him when I was at Next Door serving. Um Yeah, he was I mean he what what an amazing yeah. talent and just just a great guy. And I went to a couple of midday masses and man, black sheep was such a hub of people who want to do cool stuff. Yeah. We, uh, my speaking of my wife and I going out to dinner, we had a, I can't remember. It was at the hotel Lafayette, Uh huh. which is a great, you know, they redid the whole place. We actually just stayed there. I was telling you, we, we had gone out there during the, Oh, that's awesome. What, yeah. what a cool space. Great hotel, man. Um, but we had a, there was a, a course of, I don't even know how many courses it was, uh, a special dinner with Steve, and Mike A. Um, yeah, Mike Andrzejewski. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, I was like, oh, side we- note, Mike, uh, for those that don't know Mike Andrzejewski, he's, um, when it comes to like Buffalo industry people, he's one of those like unassailable like legends of yeah, totally the, you know, one generation before the established chefs of now. You know, Mike A was, was you know, one of the important places. You know, his, you know, his legacy in Buffalo is unassailable and i don't mean this in a in a bad way at all yeah he looks like he's from buffalo and he's from like a chef from buffalo absolutely Do you know what i mean like he has 100%. that like we His talked last about name's yeah. andrew Shevsky, right, exactly. you can't get more buffalo than exactly that. but back to the story we uh we <laughs> went to uh this dinner and the menu was not posted anywhere yeah we we're really excited because we liked both of these guys and like i said we spent some time in college there so um <laughs> we sit down Actually, I think Tony Riles was the was the was doing the accompaniments, the, oh, yeah. the drinks with, which was so it was an amazing dinner. Oh, absolutely! So we, our expectations were super high. We sit down, sitting across from each other, put the menu in front of us, and we don't even look at it for a couple minutes. And she looks down and she goes, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "What?" You know, like I should be really excited, you know. And uh, the first course was bull testicle t- uh, tacos. And uh, we were like, all right, I mean, here we go. Love it. This is it. I mean, we're in it now. So what are we going to leave? You know, like this is, you know, they know going back, like they know what they're doing. Absolutely. I'm sure it tastes great the way that they prepared it. 
or they wouldn't serve it. Well, so that's, like, just, that's, just, that's a tie right back to Beast or Europa, right, you know, using right. whole animal. Blind faith, you know? Like, Absolutely. Let, let Steve throw a whole pig on your table and, and he'll chop it up for you and it's going to be delicious and he's yeah. going to feed you some brain and, and deal with it. You know, like yeah. it's just kind of like one of those things. You just trust a guy like that. And absolutely. Um, that's kind of what we want to portray. Like we have some, you know, we have skin in the game at our restaurant. We have, you know, we have care. We've put time into it. We've, uh, you know, again, we, we don't know what's right all the time, but we think we have an idea of what is tradition and, and we want to carry some of that along and, and, you know, kind of bring that full circle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to take a pivot and, Talk about like your journey into hospitality. Sure. So we talked about, you know, hey, you know, cultural, you know, uh, family enjoyment of food, growing up eating, yeah. you know, home cooked food and yep. cultural foods. But what was, what was the part that got you to say, hey, I'm not just, I'm not just, you know, a lover of this stuff. Yeah. This is how I'm going to make my career. What, what was the turn that turned that? Yeah. So, um, you know, now we're diving really deep. Oh, uh, yeah, We're getting right? real intimate here. Um, yeah. So, so um, practicing vulnerability. Yeah, um, right? So, you know, school was never really a focus of mine. Yeah. My mind was kind of traveling in other places. Um, and I was in the middle of going to school in the University of Buffalo. I was trying to finish a degree there. Um, and I needed a job, to be quite honest. Yeah. I was traveling. Uh, I was going to school two days a week. Um, my now wife at the time was, uh, just my girlfriend at the time. Um, she was living in Long Island with her parents and I just needed to make some ends meet. I was living at home and I found a really great job. Uh, got lucky enough to serve tables at next door bar and grill. Which um, as a first job is like, yeah, I had a little bit of experience in small, like mom and pop type places, but you know, summer jobs and high yeah, school. Yeah. I mean, I, Yeah. But I was walking into a beast oh, and yeah. um, one that had a wine list that was extensive and what years to be knowledgeable. What years was that? I knew you were going to that. 2012-ish. Okay. So um, that was, so, yep. Uh, the general manager at the time um, was actually just being transi- transitioned. Um, it was Alex Berenson. I don't know if you know that name. It sounds familiar. And then Greg Vasos was the chef at the time. Yep. Um, so there was an expectation, man, and you didn't want to walk up to a table that someone's paying $40 for an entree at the time was extremely expensive, especially for Rochester for sure. And not be able to answer some simple wine questions. So I really dove into wanting to learn about wine, not only because if I sell you a hundred bottle of dollar bottle of wine, I'm making money as a server, right? I'm 22 years old, 23 years old. And I want to, you know, I'm there to make some money. Yeah but I want to do it the right way. And we had wine classes on Saturdays and we do blind tastings. Um, ben Yagoda. Uh, I don't know if you know that name. It sounds familiar, um, but I haven't man. talked to him in a long time, but he was a, a lightning rod in terms of just wanting everyone to kind of be up a level yeah. with their knowledge. Um, so we would do blind tastings. We would do so much fun. Doing of, blind yeah. Tastings. So I kind of remember, you know, and at the time, when that was all going on, the first Saw movie came out. Yeah. So you, you kind of, you know, you romanticize a little bit and you think they're really cool and you kind of want to emulate them a little bit. And I think I told you early on, you know, wine was kind of where I wanted my career to go from the get. But it was honestly partly desperation. Yeah. Uh, partly didn't really know where I wanted to be. Um, and I fell in love with the process of what, you know, winemaking looked like, but also like 
how a restaurant worked and the marriage between front and back of house and um, really giving a guest an experience that is memorable. Um, building a, a Rolodex of regulars was a lot of fun. You know, I, that's not fun to everybody, but it can be fun to be like, you know what you're going to get on a Friday night. Yeah. As, especially as a server. Like sometimes it's a crapshoot for some, but if you have four or five tables, you know, you're going to get every weekend makes it fun. Absolutely. Um, you can kind of, they'll let you guide them. You know, you're kind of their guide for a meal. And some of them, they got the same thing every week, which is totally fine, which made my life easier. But um, so that was that was my first real aha moment, I guess. Well, um, that, that's a place for it to happen. It's, yeah. a, it's a serious restaurant. Yep. Um, serious but approachable restaurant. Yep. And it's, you know, a lot of, you know, with how many people work there in the kitchen, I mean, that place is yeah. just a fountain of talent that yep. is now you know, littered over Rochester in so many different places. Totally, totally. And I, and yeah, I mean, that's, that was like, uh, yeah, Wegmans, Wegmans did a great job of curating a, a, a space that could have some, um, an evolution, but also just a place to test out some stuff. Yeah. And with some great product. Um, and at the time that was kind of the spot. You know, that was the restaurant it's pretty um, special. from the way I remember it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there'll be some that disagree. Um, but for me, that was my first real introduction to like, oh, this is how this works. This is, this is fun. This can be something I really enjoy and just kind of took off from there. Yeah. So you're at next door for a while yeah. and then, you know, you're moving on to the next thing, but was that here or were you moving on to somewhere else? So I, I definitely took the Wegmans route. Yeah. Um, stuck with that company for, for a little while. We Fair. opened, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those places that, that I, I look back on and definitely was a learning experience. And I think it was for the company as well, but we opened Amore. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is really cool. I mean, it, it's cool. I, I do like when we were doing it there, it was, it was all fresh made and we were doing it. We were doing it right. Um, Pasquale's, actually, a, Pasquale's a very talented, and this very is before talented then. So, um, I oh, it was before that. Oh yeah. Oh. So Nate Stahl over at strange bird was <sighs> like a line cook, man, like part-time. So he Nate's and I, another talent. Yeah, he like, and I were able to work like I, and you just saw it with him. Um, what he's doing at strange bird is by me just, saying that, but like he saw that, like you saw it in him. Like he yeah. just had a mind for it and he's an artist like naturally. So, I mean, what um, he does at strange bird yeah, is like, dope. That place is so high execution for everything they do, but that's driven from from him, from yeah. Andy, from the whole team. Yeah. So I tried to take, you know, every experience and and try and draw it what I can. Nate being one of those like inspirations of just being like, oh, cool, like you know, this guy's got talent. Like we can make this place really cool. Yeah. Um, that was relatively short lived. I think I was there for about a year, year and a half. Continued on with Wegmans. Um, opened up a couple small spaces with them. Uh, they had pubs. I don't remember. Yeah, I do. I, so I opened a couple of those. Open, yeah. um, I opened a burger bar. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I thought my career was going to go. Was was with Wegmans in a food capacity, like hospitality. Well, especially uh, their rapid expansion over yeah. the Eastern Seaboard. It was very attractive. Um, so much so that it actually, my wife and I moved down to the Philadelphia area. Um, with them. Because the, they're making and, big on. Well, and they were going to open another next door. Yeah. And I was thinking at the time, like, you know, maybe I can be ground level kind of person opening a restaurant in King of Prussia, which is a really vibrant part of, like, just outside of Philadelphia. Um, biggest, touristy. Biggest mall, mall. Yep. 
the biggest Henrietta you've ever been to. Exactly. Um, so again, <laughs> my focus was Wegmans, right? Yeah. That's kind of where my, my life was going and, and it was comfortable and um, there was opportunity. Um, I think I spent another two years or so uh, with them in that area. And I got a call from a, an old friend and he was opening a restaurant with a group out from Arizona, Fox's Restaurant Concepts, which is actually kind of odd now that yeah. I think about it. Fox Restaurant Concepts is out out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Um, Sam Fox is the owner. Um, and he brought a bunch of concepts to life uh, over like a 20, 25-year period, one of them being North Italia, um, which was opening its first location in Philadelphia, actually in King of Prussia. And they had an opportunity to, to hire, you know, a really good team. And I was lucky enough to be able to, to earn a spot with them as a restaurant manager. Um, pay was great, all that good stuff. And, and the company was really cool. And, the, you know, they've, they do everything right. And um, Philadelphia is a hell of a city. It is. I've only been a it couple is. times. But yeah, I got to say, it's one of those, like, when you go there, it's like, you know, it, it's like, it's a giant it's still a really big city, mm -hmm. but it feels, you know, it acts smaller than it is. Yeah, it's New York's little sister, or little yeah. brother, and and it, but the food is, um, uh, just amazing. I don't even know the word that I want to use for that, but it, it just every t corner you turn, um, there's something to enjoy. So absolutely, I was able to open that restaurant. Um, spent uh, about three years with them, give or take was able to become a general manager with them. The company, like I said, was really treating me great and, and they do everything right. Um, and then right before Fox's, I was able to start with, we actually moved one more time um, to Long Island uh, with a quick service restaurant, all organic, um, kind of like a all organic Chipotle, mm -hmm. more or less. Um, but it kind of create your own bowl sort of thing, smoothies, health forward, Great opportunity to start fresh with somebody. As you do in the yeah. 2020s. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and they had a really great concept. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, uh, opened a restaurant with the same group, um, with the Healthy Forward uh, restaurant uh, out in Montauk, Long Island, which um, was a was an experience for sure. Well, it's a, a holy, crowd. wholly different environment because yeah. that's... It's six months of like just you know, banging your head against the wall. Yeah. Turnover is insane. I mean, um, the demands have to be The just demands are insane. I mean, you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about, you know, famous people, insanely rich people who have nothing but time. Yeah. Um, and we'll make sure that you know that. Um, but an experience worth its, you know, weight in terms of just like having perspective, um, especially in terms of, you know, having a family and all those things and, and what's really important. Um, well, I think it also teaches you, you know, those kind of, you know, getting burned, getting burned by yeah. the fire, Yeah. which, you know, uh, you know, I've been through in my, you know, in my, my day job career, I've yeah. gotten, I've gotten burned and you know, there's, there's different ways you can go from there. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have taken that and grown and gotten better from it instead of like, you know, it, it breaks people and not, that's not a weakness thing. It's right. just, you know, those kind of, those kind of really stressful put you in the fire moments. Yeah. 
they can teach you lessons that you can't be taught otherwise right. sometimes. Right. And, and there's always times too to look back and be like, yeah, I probably could have done that a little bit differently. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that mistakes you make. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way that your, you know, your mentality is and, but it gave it, it really gave me what I needed in terms of, you know, it's time to look outside of this box of being a corporate person. Yeah. Working for or with people that are, you know, that are driven by different things and different, different wants and different needs. Um, and then lo and behold, something came up here home. You know, I have a four year old now and he was about a year, year and a half when we started talking about coming back home. And, you know, you look at that and you're like, all right, well, you know, if I can make my dream work while having a family and, and being in a place that I'm familiar with, not, not to mention buying a place that means so much to us is just, uh, you know, it was a special, special moment. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a roller coaster so far, but it's been, it's been fun. It's definitely, like I said, feels more normal now than it did in the oh, beginning. Of course. You know, um, I mean, I think that you think that leap is a little bit shorter, uh, <laughs> than it actually is. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's been, it's been rewarding. Um, it's had its own challenges, but again, you walk into work and, and you say, well, I want to do this today. Yeah. And we can do that. I think it's the kind of thing that if you knew you you're you know there's things you don't know when you walk in. Yeah. But if you knew everything, sure. It's hard to say you could make that decision yeah. knowing every little thing that's gonna drive you crazy. Yeah, like paralysis by analysis at that yeah. point. Like you can tell me every single thing about it, but that just make like you're saying, it just makes that decision harder because you're gonna think like, oh, uh, well, do I want to deal with that? Do I want to deal with this? Do I, yeah. you know, is this a positive enough for me to, to forget about some of those negatives? But uh, yeah, you know, it's been challenging and, and, uh, but again, I, I probably wouldn't change it for the world. So. Yeah. So before we, so we'll throw out the last plugs and then, yeah. uh, so again, Fox's Deli's 3450 Winton Place in the Winton Place Plaza uh, near Townline Road and uh, down towards Jefferson. Uh, breakfast and lunch kind of hours. So was it eight to three or seven? That's to three? correct. Yep. Eight to three, eight to three Monday through Saturday. Yep. Uh, so make sure you go there. Um, call in and order and pick up yourself. If you're doing takeout, yep. you know, do that is better for the restaurant. Yes. I always please. recommend going to the places. Please, please, please go visit places in person. If you want to go, you are putting in the effort. Call and pick it up. It's better for the restaurant. Yes. It's better for you. You get to experience a place. Please do that. It's better. Um, what I wanted to talk about is, so you've got 18 months in. Yeah. You know, what? what's next? You know, this you're, you're balancing, balancing legacy. You're balancing sure. things that have already changed, where things are going. What's the next thing on the hit list that, that you're working on? Because there's, there's so, so many opportunities to do to do this stuff and you're talking about the work there's an infinite amount of work that yeah. could happen but what's on the hit list yeah i think there's a uh prioritization that you need to kind of do mentally and and kind of outwardly with each other as yeah. business partners and um i think we've seen some places that we may be able to expand our 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 breadth if you will um you know i think one of them being some of that breakfast those breakfast items. Sure. You know, maybe there's a bagel down the line that we start making in house. Um, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but man, there's nothing like, there's nothing like a bagel that's fermented. You yeah. get that crackly crust. Yeah. Yeah. You get to, you get to top it the way you want it yep. and really make it your own. There's nothing quite like it. Yeah. So my brother's currently working on 
ways of making that a, a reality um, and making sure that the process is tight enough that we can replicate and yeah. make, you know, however many dozen you need to make in a day. Um, you know, I, I think uh, from a long-term vision standpoint, you know, I think more than one location would be, would be pretty fun. Um, we actually get a lot of people coming in from Buffalo who just say that we can't, they can't find what we're doing, mm. um, which is kind of exciting. Well, so, I love that idea. And it's, you know, the, you know, the legacy of it being in that space, you know, for yeah. now going on, you know, 50 years yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah. But like you said, it's, that's, it's a bit of a tough one. Like it's, yeah. so, it's it, tons of parking, easy to get in and out of yeah. not saying don't go visit it. Yeah. Definitely go visit it. Yeah. But you know, it's, there are places that are more challenging than others. But you want to also be married to, you know, where you're located is a marriage. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think that takes um, some introspection and saying, is this where we're seeing ourselves for the rest of, you know, the the restaurant's life? And, and I think, you know, there's a give and take. 100%. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there things are things are on the table um that we weren't necessarily thinking around the table 18 months ago but i think that's the fun part is that you get to kind of turn those stones over um you just want to make sure you're doing it the right way and um taking in all all things into account as much as you can um and making the best decision you feel like for for your brand for your restaurant for your life and um so that's kind of where our mentality is at it's like you know we don't know necessarily what's next I think we have some ideas bouncing, um, but we're trying to take as much in uh, and and learn from some some mistakes and some some um, successes over the past eighteen months, and we'll see where it takes us. That's all you can do, man. Yeah. You can only keep on getting better. Yeah. Um. So I think we're gonna close out this episode. Uh, reminder to go to foxesdeliroc.com. You can follow on social media, Fox's Deli on Facebook, Fox's Deli ROC on Instagram. Follow for, you know, hours and specials and everything like that. Um, you know, thanks to, you know, thanks to Alex. Thanks to uh, uh, Jason in memoriam. Yes, not right. here today. <laughs> uh, thanks to Pickles for being a great mascot for right the restaurant. There, yeah. <laughs> um, and if you want to follow me uh, after listening to all of this, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast. Um, share it with your friends. We're always uh, trying to get the word out to people. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram, Food About Town Podcast, Food About Town on Facebook, and also go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event. Order a meal for two for $40 for pickup at one of our fantastic locations, Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer in Rochester. Coming up in August, uh, depending on when this comes out, We'll be there once a month at the new Black Button Distilling on University and then Nowhere Lounge in Kenmore in the Buffalo area. So join us and support small minority-owned restaurants around Rochester. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Food About Town podcast. If you aren't already subscribed, what are you waiting for? Go to your podcast app of choice and make us your favorite podcast by subscribing and leaving a review if you can. Music for the podcast was created by the fabulous Taurus Savant. You can hear more of his work at torsavant.bandcamp.com and make your presence known by seeing him perform live. Food About Town is a proud member of the Lunchador Podcast Network. Oh no, here comes McKenneth! This has been a presentation of the Lunchador Podcast Network. <laughs>